Welcome back to the show and to a brand new segment of Ask Rachel on the Yoga Girl podcast. I got some great questions from you this week. We talk about birth and labor and how to find that surrender that we're so looking for, not just when we're pregnant, but of course in our day-to-day lives. I also talk about yoga, answering a question around what to look for when we are just starting out brand new to the yoga practice. And then we go into astrology and talk a little bit about healers in the spiritual community, how to make sure that we find someone with integrity. And I answer the question, is there such a thing as a bad birth chart in astrology? I have a hint for you. No, there's not. And then also we talk about podcasts. I give some advice around vulnerability and how to start a podcast in that theme if you've ever thought of it. It's a fun episode today, I think. Sometimes in life, skepticism can serve you well. It can save you money, keep you from wasting a day at a timeshare presentation, and help you avoid spreading gossip. To be honest, when I am faced with a new scenario, I usually tend to be a skeptic until something proves me wrong. And if you're like me, you can probably spot a too-good-to-be-true health hack from a mile away and read labels like it's your job. That's where ritual comes in. They know that every good skeptic deserves a multivitamin that exceeds your standards. Their clinically backed Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin has high quality, traceable key ingredients in clean bioavailable forms. Take two delayed release capsules per day that optimize your body's absorption and you'll get nine key nutrients. Rituals Essential for Women is USP verified, so you know you can trust what you're putting in your body. Only about 1% of supplement brands on the market have the USP verified mark, which shows the product contains the ingredients actually listed on the label. On top of that, Ritual multivitamins are vegan, non-GMO project verified, gluten and major allergen free, certified B Corp and made traceable. I take my vitamins every morning with breakfast. It's part of my daily ritual and I feel so good doing it. No more shady business. Rituals Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash yoga girl. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash yoga girl for 25% off. Hello, 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 my friends. How are you? Welcome back to a new episode of the show. I hope you are doing well. I really do. I hope you're doing well. I hope you are enjoying these August weeks and that this summer is this summer is nourishing for you. Nourishing. It's really one of my key words this year, especially this summer. I I want to feel nourished, you know, inside and out. And I hope you feel that way too. Right now, I'm actually, I have a little bit of a cold and I'm having a, 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 an interesting experience with this cold this time around. Leia got sick a couple days ago. She just had a, she gets these really intense fever spikes that kind of come out of the blue. She'll get a 40 degree fever, like 103 degree fever. And it just lasts for 24 hours and then it's gone. But she also had a little bit of a headache and was complaining that her back hurt a little bit. I just think, you know, she was a little bit ill. And then last night I started feeling it too, just getting chills and got a headache and my throat is feeling really thick and a little bit achy. And if you listen to this show 
which I know you do, but if you've listened to this show for a long time, if you know me well, you know I have a weird relationship with illness. No one likes being sick. It's not like anyone gets excited when they, whenever they, they have a cold or anything. But I have a weirdly emotional relationship with being even just a little bit under the weather. I always feel so inadequate. And whenever I'm not, op, you know, working at my most optimal level, I start feeling like I'm useless and I'm worthless. And it's so, for me, my strength and ability to continue at a very high level of energy all the time is very tied to my feeling of self-worth. So normally a cold for me always equates like this overwhelming feeling of just everything is bad. And I'm always kind of terrified that I'm going to get sicker and sicker and sicker until I almost die. I guess maybe I have a little bit of hypochondria somewhere deep inside. But anyway, this time around, for some reason, and maybe it is all the deep resting I've done this summer. Maybe it is all the non-doing because I have been immersed in more non-doing, if that's even a word, this summer than I have my entire life. I have never been less productive. I have never worked less. I have never resisted that inner urge to run, you know, to, to just kind of go, go, go and pick new things up and work harder. I've really, I've really changed. I have. And I don't say that lightly because I, I know change doesn't just happen overnight. It's something that comes really slowly, but I feel a deep inner change. So anyway, last night, I started feeling sick and I didn't freak out, maybe for the first time in a very long time, didn't freak out, didn't get nervous. And normally, you know, if I get a little bit sick, I I go bananas with every vitamin, minerals, superfoods, juice, all everything, you know, I, I just completely, it's like I, I, I pull out everything, <laughs> I take it all. And now instead, I just took a moment to pause and I felt, well, what, what do I feel is helpful, you know, just for what I'm feeling? And I just took a, a couple of little things that felt helpful. I have a little black elderberry tincture that I that I love to use. And I just felt drawn to it. It almost felt like, oh, this would be delicious right now. You know, I had that urge, that feeling for it. I took just a drop of colloidal silver, just a little bit. Sometimes I take a lot more, but I just took a little bit. What else did I take? I took one of my little immunity packs. It's like a little immunity juice. So I took that and then I took some probiotics. Okay, I guess maybe this sounds to you like an insane amount of stuff, but for me, this is like a casual day. And that's it. And then I drank a lot of tea and um, watered the garden late in the day. Normally I do it like early in the morning. I just took some time and rested and um, yeah. And then last night went to bed. I think Leia woke up at five or six in the morning. And I was like, oh no, I'm not ready for this. And I felt it this morning, like just my throat was achy and oh, you know, I really could use some sleep. And then the dog started barking and Dennis did this thing that I so appreciate whenever the dogs bark just a little bit, especially when he knows I need some extra sleep. He kind of rushes out into the kitchen and makes them stop barking and lets them out. And sometimes if he wants another hour of sleep, he will just lie on the couch, you know, because the dogs don't bark or do anything. The dogs are like, they're like a big... <laughs> deterrence from my sleep but it's so so sweet of him and then I fell back asleep and so did Leia and we woke up it's at, I mean we I, it's crazy for me to say we slept till 10 30 in the morning Leia and I 
I don't know when I've slept till 10.30 before. Oh my God. So I guess, I mean, of course, we're both not 100%. And she woke up and she was like, Mama, what time is it? I'm like, dude, it's almost lunchtime. <laughs> she was like, what? The whole day passed? I'm like, well, it's not lunchtime yet, but it's, it's almost like we're like an hour and a half <laughs> from lunchtime right now. She was just in awe. But anyway, so that night's sleep really helped, really, really helped. And I'm sitting here now, you know, maybe I'll get sicker and this is going to be one of those weeks where I'm just really ill, but maybe not. And I feel strangely detached and very relaxed about having this cold, which might not sound like a big deal, but for me, it is a big deal. And it also makes me feel that like maybe every time I get a little bit ill, it doesn't have to be the worst which is what it used to be for me when I was going through all the mold and all the all the challenging stuff around my health over the past few years. Every little bug became a major thing, which is part of my anxiety around a little cold. It's like, I don't know, is it going to be a two-day cold or is it like a two-week thing that knocks me out? And now I feel like I don't think it's going to be a two-week thing. I think I'm going to be, I think I need a day or two to chill and then I'm going to be good, you know? So yeah, yeah. And I wanted to share that just in case you hear my voice just a little bit, feels a little bit thick <laughs> today. I have that kind of sexy cold voice. And uh, also just feeling soft and feeling vulnerable and feeling good, even though I'm a little ill. And yeah, that's where I am. I am very happy to share that it is that time of the month when I get to talk to you and listen to your questions and we get to have another conversation here on the podcast. It's time for another episode of Ask Rachel on the Yoga Girl podcast. And I'm so excited. I know we've had so many new questions come in. It's wild to me how after every Ask Rachel episode or every Ask Rachel segment on the show, we get so many more questions. So just a little reminder, if you have a question you want to ask or just something you want to share or anything at all, you can call. If you're in the U.S., you call 720-443-1771. That's 720-443-1771. Say your name if you want, where you're from, and just ask your question. Try to keep it under a minute if you can, and you might just hear your own voice on the next segment of Ask Rachel on the show. If you're not in the US, you call that same number, but you just put plus one before. I mean, I know you know that, but yes. So yeah, so we've had some some new questions come in. And as usual, I haven't listened to them <laughs> yet. And we're going to do that thing that I so love where I just, I close my eyes, place my hand to my heart. And if you want to, you can join me in that right now. Just closing your eyes, one hand to your heart. Take a deep breath in through the nose. And out through the nose. Envisioning right now that you are a part of a circle, which actually you are. By listening to these words right now and being present in this field of energy, we are in circle together. And there is a whole big, beautiful group of people out there in the world. Some probably really close to you. Some probably really far away. But a whole big group of us out there that 
feel similar things, that are drawn to similar things, that are longing for similar experiences and that similar sense of connection and belonging and that find comfort in this podcast every single week. So I want you to imagine to your right, there's a being there, there's a person there listening to these words right now. And to your left, there's a person there. And you can even imagine their shoulders kind of rubbing against yours as if we're tightly cramped together in a small circle in a, in a space. I always envision the Luna Shala at Island Yoga, which is, of course, and forever my favorite place to sit in circle. But just envisioning that, you as a part of a community, part of the whole, part of the group, part of the circle. And... Um, you can stay here just listening to the rest of this show with your eyes closed, or you can open your eyes and go about whatever you go about whenever you listen to podcasts. I haven't heard these questions before, so we'll just stay very present and listen and see where it takes us. Hi, Rachel. Um, I'm calling to ask what type of yoga practice you recommend for a beginner. And for somebody who is on a deep healing journey. Thank you. Hope to hear from you soon. Bye-bye. Hi. Thank you for your question. Oh, the first thing that comes to me here is it's, it's less about the style of yoga, I think, and less about the lineage of yoga and more about the person you're able to find to guide you on that path. Having a, a teacher, especially a first teacher, especially a teacher in the very, very beginning that we feel safe with and that we really align with, a person we resonate with at this stage in our lives, you know, a person that just that we can sense that, that feeling of groundedness with. I think that is the most important thing because you can be in a room especially as a new practitioner you can be in a room with the most revered most advanced most experienced teacher of, of ever and it's still going to be about your own emotional personal experience with that person so i think it's it's most more important who you find than what you find and if it's a good teacher which, of course, if you feel safe and grounded and good as you move through those first practices, it's going to be a good teacher. They will guide you in terms of beginning postures and things to really focus on and how to move through different postures on the mat, beginning to align with your breath without overcomplicating things. I think sometimes the yoga practice can feel a little bit overwhelming in the very beginning, and it's good to find a teacher that's able to break it down in a really digestible way, right? So we don't feel inundated with information, but we can actually stay in our bodies and, and be there. So my recommendation, you know, if it's your very first time, is to try a few different studios out. Or if you have a studio that you like, try a few different teachers out. You can ask, you know, what is a really good class out of these classes? What is a good class for a beginner? Most studios offer dedicated classes for beginners. But even so, you don't it doesn't have to be labeled a first-timer's class or a beginner's class. If it's a good teacher, you should be able to walk into 
any non-advanced class, right? So any level one class with a teacher and they should be able to make you feel at home. And then try a few different things. You know, maybe a yin type practice is great for you. That's very, very slow and where we stay in the same pose for a very long time and you have tons of props to support you. But maybe you come to that kind of practice and you find it really boring and you feel like you can't stay present because your mind is racing and that's not at all what you wanted. You know, maybe a vinyasa style practice is really good for you, you know, where you get to move and sweat and kind of have that continuous instruction all throughout the class to guide you. Or maybe you come to a vinyasa practice and you feel like things are moving too quickly, you know. So it's good to try, I would say, try three different kinds of classes, at least, and a couple different kinds of teachers and see which one actually feels best. And if you find one where you feel at the end of it, like, okay, there's something here, give it a couple of times, right? Give it a couple of times in the same class with the same teacher, because about the third even the second, third time, you're going to recognize the language and the names of the poses and you're going to have this kind of little bit of the muscle memory is going to kick in and you're going to feel more and more secure on the mat and more and more secure in your own body. And of course, with every class you take, you're going to feel more and more at home as well. So I, I hope this answers your question well, but I definitely would go more on move from a place of intuition Go for finding a really good teacher that aligns with you. And a perfect teacher for you might not be a perfect teacher for me, right? It's just about where we are and who we are and where we are in our lives. Focus on that so you have someone to guide you in the beginning. Because those beginning moments, they are so important. They really are. And I've had I've heard so many stories from people who say, oh, yoga is not for me or I really don't like it because they had just one experience with a teacher that wasn't for them, Right. Or an experience with a teacher that maybe was too harsh or a teacher that would say, well, this is the way it has to be. I always say any teacher who says this is the only way I would steer away from because, of course, there is no only way, you know, and the way that's right for you is the way that's right for you. And it's not going to be the same for everyone else. So trust your body, find someone you align with and start slow. Do scents evoke memories and transport you back to being on the beach during your favorite vacation? I know they do for me. Osea's Andaria Algae Body Oil smells like summer or the beach in Aruba, bottled with all natural uplifting notes of mango, mandarin, grapefruit, lime, and cypress. But it's not just about the elevated scent. This body oil is clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and deeply moisturize, leaving skin silky and soft. It delivers that coveted post-vacation glow, like you just returned from a tropical getaway. And right now, you can get 10% off your first order with our code YOGA at oseamalibu.com. I love Osea's Andaria Algae Body Oil. I use it every single day and I have for so many years. It makes me feel silky smooth and just glowing. This body oil is rich but never greasy and clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity. It visibly firms your skin, leaving you more sculpted and toned. No wonder I feel so great after using it. But it gets even better. With Osea, you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Osea's products are clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified. They are a women-founded company that has been making seaweed-infused skincare for over 28 years. So bring on summer! 
Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean vegan skin and body care at Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code YOGA at OseaMalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head to OseaMalibu.com and use the code YOGA for 10% off. Let's take another question. Hi, Rachel. Um, I wanted to call and ask um, what you would say to someone who wants to do a reading, um, an astrological reading, as you did um, and explained in this previous podcast when Leia was about one years old um, for the first time. I've never done one. Um, I've always wanted to. However, what if they say something you don't want to hear or you can't hear or you're not ready to hear during the reading? I'm just I'm just wondering what your advice for someone who's scared about what would come out of this reading but would like to do it. Thank you. Hmm. Oh, what a what an important question. Thank you so much. So a couple of things <laughs> come to me right away as I as I hear you speak. First of all, and this is so important that we all know and understand when it comes to the spiritual world and the world of healing, okay? Any healer, and I mean any healer, whether this healer is an astrologer or a medium or a psychic or a therapist or a life coach or anyone who is ever in the position of doing sessions with a person to give them information about their life. And sometimes it's information and advice, right? Astrology, I find, often comes with at least a couple of practical aspects of, of advice. Any person in that position who would, in a session, give someone terrifying information or information that feels unsettling or unsafe or really bad is not good at what they're doing is not a grounded, experienced person to, to go see. You know, it, it, it is an extremely irresponsible thing to do. Very, very responsible thing to do. And most of the time, you know, especially when it, when it comes to astrology, I can't speak for a lot of other forms of healing, but untrue, completely, completely untrue and, and very, very irresponsible, you know. So if you've ever heard of an astrologer that gives these kinds of readings or that give people set in stone, I'm using air, <laughs> air quotations here, set in stone, scary or bad or unsafe information. If you ever hear of any person like that, stay very far away from them because that is not what astrology is about. It's not what astrology does and it's not the right way to go about anything. And it's really important when we talk about astrology to know there is no such thing as a bad chart. There's no such thing as a bad chart. And people ask me this all the time. And when I first started out, I asked my astrologer this all the time, you know, have you ever seen a chart? And just at first glance, you just know, oh my God, this is terrible. What a hard life. What a terrible. And the answer is no, no. You know, we can read a birth chart and we can pick up on the energies of that chart and the, the influences of that chart. And we can learn a lot about that person's attitudes and what they are inclined toward. We can learn a lot about their personalities. 
what they might be drawn to, what might be challenging. But there's no such thing as reading a person's birth chart and telling them a set in stone thing that this is going to happen to you at this time in your life because there's always free will. We all have a choice every moment of every day. And the astrological birth chart is not a map of, and when we read it together with current aspects, it's not a a roadmap of here is exactly what is going to happen in your life and how your life is going to work out. It's more of a tool that we can use to get to know ourselves better. And as we read into future stuff, it's more about understanding energies when they come our way. You know, it can be really helpful to learn about astrology and learn what's going on in the sky now because it often validates what we are already experiencing. But hearing someone tell someone something terrifying or scary or bad, you know, I I think about this a lot. My my mom has told me this story so many times when she lost her fiance when I was a little girl. She went to see many different kinds of healers. I think if she would have been into astrology, she would have probably seen an astrologer, but she saw a couple different psychics and people to, to tell her about her future and things like that. And one of them told her straight out, you will never find love again. Uh, your, the fu- your whole entire life future is dark and this is all bad. Like it was just the worst possible thing you could ever possibly say to a grieving mother in the worst time of her life. And I just think about that often, like how can, how people in those positions, when we put our trust in someone, we become immediately very, very vulnerable. So to abuse that power by saying things that are actively harmful to a, to a vulnerable person, I mean, it's, it's not okay. It's not okay. And it's not how these practices and these philosophies and these sciences are meant to be used at all. So stay far away if you ever hear about this kind of stuff from anywhere. And unfortunately, I think it's prevalent because I think, you know, the spiritual world, it has become very commercialized. And there are so many people out there who who want to wear the hat, you know, of knowing many, many things. And of course, we see this in every in every area. I mean, how many brand new baby yoga teachers who've taught a couple of classes in their lives get put on schedules to teach big classes. And, you know, we're often put in situations that we might not be ready for yet when there is this big, when, when we live in a capitalist commercial world. I mean, that's just what it is. So integrity, without integrity, we can't and shouldn't be doing any of these things. So that doesn't mean that as a new person, like personally, me, I'm a brand new baby astrologer. I've only been studying astrology for three years, I, four years. I, I, I know nothing, you know, that's really, I, I would never call myself an astrologer. I, I feel like I, in 10 years, if I keep studying the way I'm studying, I might feel like I, like I know something, you know, but it's one of those life sciences that at the end of our lives, even if we study it our whole entire lives, there will be more to know. So going and really trusting in your intuition and doing enough research before you put that kind of that kind of power in another person's hands is really important. And then it's very important to know about your birth chart, that th- there is no such thing as a bad chart. You can 
you know, in, in astrology and in the birth chart, we have something called aspects. And aspects is the angle that the planets make to each other in the horoscope, right? And that kind of is what tells us how the planets are interacting and engaging with one another in whichever house they're in and whichever sign they're in. So we have aspects and we have, there's something called a conjunction when two planets are kind of sitting on top of each other. There's a square when they're angled 90 degrees away from each other. There's oppositions and trines and sextiles. There's lots of different kinds of aspects. And I think old school astrology or some astrologers um, will tell you that certain aspects are just bad. You know, like a square, like that's a bad aspect. That means that two planets aren't getting along and that's going to be a, a red flag there or a challenge there somehow. But what I have learned more and, and the approach that I much, much, much prefer is the openness of there is no defined thing there. It's more about the intensity of energies between those two planets. It tells me more about there could be friction here. It could also be more of that aliveness in the energies that you feel in those planets and how they're interacting with each other in that aspect. It completely depends on where you are in your life. You know, I can be in a place in my life where I feel deeply grounded, where I'm taking really good care of myself, where I'm using my resources. I feel a sense of belonging. I'm just in that season in my life where I have some flow, right? And then all of a sudden, a challenging, what's supposed to be a challenging aspect comes along. But depending on where I am in life, I'm able to deal with that aspect in a completely different way. So I would never be able to tell someone, you know, here is a really horrible time coming. <laughs> it doesn't have to be a horrible time because it's all about how we react to what comes our way. You can see that, okay, this cycle of your life, like say a Saturn return or something really big, it's like we know there's going to be transformation here. You're not going to walk out of this cycle or you're not going to walk out of this cycle the same version of you that you were when you stepped in of it. This is going to change you. Something's going to come your way at this time in your life that's going to create transformation. That's going to change you. Now, exactly how that transformation is going to happen and how you are going to react to it my birth chart can't, or your birth chart can't tell me that, only you will know. So if you have the ability to really use that for healing, right? If you are supported, if you have the means that you need to move through this thing, chances are that that transformation is going to feel very positive, maybe unsteady and uncertain. But if you're all alone, you know, if you're not supported, if you don't have the resources that you need, if you don't have the financial means that you need to feel safe and held, yeah, that challenge could be overwhelming and a big season that just feels like shadow and darkness. Yeah, but it's it's impossible as an outside person to actually know for sure. Yeah. So when I look at, at anybody's birth chart, I don't see that as, oh, here's what's going to happen. I see it as, oh, here is who you are. And that's what's interesting about astrology. At least that's what I think. Deborah, my one of my astrologers, always says, you know, astrology, it's not this kind of set in stone thing that tells you everything that's going to happen, but it gives you a permission slip to be who you are. It tells us more about our own influences and about who we are than it does what's going to happen. And when we can learn more about who we are and how and why we are inclined to react in different ways, we can start using astrology to really help us heal. 
I also think, you know, just listening to you ask this question, if there is that feeling of uncertainty, that feeling of unsteadiness, you know, if, if, if you did a reading with me, I would hear that, you know, I would immediately pick up on that and I would immediately go to a place of safety in your birth chart. I would go to something really healing and really positive and really beautiful. And I've, I've had that, those experiences just giving people readings as I grow and learn. It's all about what the person in front of me is telling me and how they are doing, right? So if the person there is feeling very fearful or unsteady or is in a place in life where life feels unsafe and, you know, I would go to the things in their birth chart that I can share with them that would help inspire a sense of safety and grounding. You know, there are sources of strength, the good things they have going for them, um, that solidity that's actually there for them in their lives, things to reach for to help continue that building that sense of grounding. So in those cases, even if I were to see something potentially challenging or difficult or dark, I, I wouldn't necessarily have to tell them that because that's not going to be the most helpful thing for them in that moment, you know. So it's all, it's, it's also so much psychology and it's also so much humanity. And I think a good person in that position will be able to meet the other person's needs so that you walk away from a reading or a session feeling really good and really whole and supported. Like that session actually enriched your life, not like it took something away or made you feel more unsteady. That's not what, that's not what these healing modalities are supposed to do. So I promise you, your birth chart is full, full of grounding. I promise you, every birth chart, we, we all have influences from all four elements. We all have beauty in our charts. We all have magic in our charts. We all have positive, amazing things going on in our birth charts. And we all have challenges too. So I, I promise you, I promise you, your birth chart is a good chart. I promise. And how do I know? Because I know every chart is a good chart. So take your time, you know, maybe now is not a, the best time to go have a reading like this if you're not feeling 100% about it. And, you know, just kind of like the question I just answered about how to start out if you're just beginning, you know, the yoga practice. Trust your intuition, do your research, and um, be very, very conscious and mindful about the person you trust in that way. You know, we need to have yoga teachers with integrity and astrologers with integrity and everyone we kind of trust with our healing and to support us in that sensitive way uh, needs to be solid people with their feet on the ground. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. 
Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's Lifetime Membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Hey, Rachel. Uh, my name is Bella, and I um, would like to know what you recommend to a person who wants to start a podcast. I'm on this really deep healing journey, and my cousin and I um, want to start a podcast that creates a safe space for ourselves and for other people to talk about healing and trauma and family and growth and just life, really, and to give others and each other the opportunities to be vulnerable and real and, and honest. But, of course, naturally, I'm fearful. It's It's so scary to be vulnerable with people you know, let alone on a podcast where you're not sure who or how many people will be listening. Um, and I know that this is what you do on your podcast and you're always so vulnerable and it's so beautiful. So um, please, I would love to hear any advice you have. Thanks. Oh, thank you. Thank you. What a, what a wonderful, fun idea. You know, I, I feel like I talk about this a lot, but I love, I love just podcasts overall as a medium. I love it. I adore it. I find it so intimate. I I love recording this show. I love listening to podcasts. It's one of my, no, it really is my number one favorite, favorite way to share and to listen. So I I can absolutely see why why the podcast world is so big and vast and also the draw for so many people to start to start their own shows. And when it comes to advice, I uh, I think you you talk a lot about the vulnerability aspect of, of of having a podcast and and how to how to kind of get to that place. I guess if I'm understanding your question right, of of wanting to be vulnerable, but then also feeling vulnerable in your vulnerability, right? Not knowing who's going to listen and so and so. And I think vulnerability doesn't have to be a goal. I think it's hard. Actually, I think it's a it's a hard goal to set. It's a hard aim to 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 set and say, okay, I want to start a podcast and it's going to be a vulnerable one. You know, vulnerability, it's not something that we set out to do. It's something that happens when we speak from a place of truth. And you're going to have moments and times recording this podcast where you don't want to be vulnerable where vulnerability actually isn't necessary, where the conversation goes in completely different kinds of directions, where it's more fact-based or informational, and then it's fun and funny, and then it's just storytelling, and then it's, you know, and then you're going to have moments where naturally you find yourself either through conversation with someone else, listening to them, or someone guiding you into a conversation, or your own inner voice guiding you to a place inside of yourself, where vulnerability just arrives. And in that moment, if vulnerability arrives and you feel grounded and safe to share, you will share. And if in that moment when vulnerability arrives, you don't feel grounded and safe, you won't share. You don't have to share. I don't think vulnerability is one of those things that we have to be doing all the time. You know, it's actually, it's, it's a, it can be really healing and really helpful. And it's, it's, it's this big 
part of our humanity that connects us together. But sometimes too much vulnerability can feel really unsafe. And I've had that happen. I mean, I still have that happen where people online sometimes take something really vulnerable that I say on the podcast that I forget, right? Because I, I speak so truthfully on this show all the time and they'll turn it against me and they'll say something really mean or they'll publish a blog about something I said and and throw it in my face later. And, and I kind of get this like, oh, you know, vulnerability hangover. It's like, oh God, you never know how people are going to react to what you say and you never know, you know, what's going to happen at the other end of it. But I find that if in the moment it felt authentic to you, it's going to continue to feel authentic later as well. And if after having recorded something and you end up finding yourself, you know, being extremely vulnerable or sharing something very sensitive, what I would recommend if you feel a little unsteady about that is to listen to the episode afterwards. I, uh, I never have, but what I have done, and I do this sometimes, not often, but sometimes I'll tell a story or I'll share something on the show. And then as I finish the thread of what I was saying, I have this feeling of no, it's just a feeling. And sometimes it's not logical. Sometimes it's not even like, well, this wasn't more sensitive than this other thing I shared, or it's just a little feeling of no. And then I'll speak into the mic <laughs> and tell Phil, who edits the show, just, um, just oh, hey, let's, uh, let's skip that. Let's skip that part. I changed my mind. Let's go back to, and then I just kind of pick up the thread from where I was before, sometimes. And sometimes, and this is very rare, uh, I, I, I never really re-listen to, to any of my shows, but sometimes something lingers with me after I've recorded a podcast, and then I get that feeling, oh, you know what? No. And then I'll send an email like, hey, I think halfway through or two-thirds through, I talk about this thing, I want to edit it out. And then we do that. And I think that's happened, I don't know, say it's five times a year. <laughs> and I record 52 episodes of the Yoga Girl podcast. And uh, five times 52, can I do some quick math? <laughs> five, five times 52, that's 250, 260 episodes a year. Is that true? Am I bad at math? Of Yoga Girl Day. I mean, I, I basically record 300 plus episodes a year. So five, five, six times a year, I want to edit something out. But those times are very important. And it's very important that I act on that inner feeling without there having to be a logical reason behind it at all. So I guess that's my advice around vulnerability. Number one, you don't have to be vulnerable. I don't think you have to set a goal for the podcast to be vulnerable. I would rather you set the goal for the podcast to be storytelling or, you know, if it's well-being or if it's about heat, like set a more structured aim for what are we going to talk about? You know, what are these conversations? You know, what area of life are they in? And then allow vulnerability to be what happens, just the outcome of authentic conversation. Because then you don't have to feel like, oh, we didn't get there. And then we got there. Like, you know, it's just... It's this beautiful bonus that we get from just telling our truth. And you might have guests on the show who definitely are not like that. I've had that before where I try to take a conversation to a heartfelt place and the other person is like, no, you know, 
And it could be from where they are at in their lives. It could be how they live. It could be who they are as a person. There's tons of people out there who don't like to open up. So we don't have to be vulnerable. You have the ability to mid-show, mid-recording, not take the vulnerable route if you don't feel safe and grounded in that vulnerability in the moment. And you have the ability to edit out and remove things if you feel like you overspoke or you shared too much of your heart, right? And then, of course, you can do a few episodes and then see how you feel. And if the response is important, you know, you can always edit and and kind of redirect how you move from that place. But when I think of of the challenge of having <laughs> showing a lot of vulnerability in such a public space, one of the ways it manifests for me, and this happens quite a lot, I gotta say, is I will meet people kind of often who have just been listening to an episode or they are mid listening to an episode. Like that's happened a couple of times. Someone's like out for a walk listening to a yoga girl podcast episode in their headphones and then they randomly pass me like that's happened or you know they see me at the grocery store and they just listened to an episode this morning something like that and in that episode in said episode I was very vulnerably sharing something that was extremely sensitive and heartfelt and emotional for me maybe I was crying and I was talking about this hard thing and you know when I record I it's always a couple days before you hear it. Okay, it's sometimes it's the day before, like today it's Thursday, the podcast is out tomorrow. Sometimes it's the day before, but it's usually two, three days, I hope. <laughs> okay, it's probably usually two days <laughs> before you hear the podcast. But most of the time, I am over my vulnerable moment in real life, right? I was vulnerable, sharing it. It's very healing for me to do that kind of storytelling. I always feel so good and whole afterwards. And then I move on with my life. And then two days later or three weeks later or whatever, I meet someone who is just listening to that vulnerable moment. And then they see me. <laughs> and I've had people come up to me in tears or in near tears and just like hand on their heart. And, oh, you know, and I was just, I resonate so much with what you're saying and, and I'm like not in that place anymore, you know, at all. I am out with a friend or I am with Leia at the store. And I'm just like, I am not feeling vulnerable right now at all. <laughs> Sometimes that happens to me. And, and I have to kind of like, it's always a little awkward for me because I'm not feeling that way. And then I can feel a little bit exposed when someone takes my vulnerability from something in the past and they bring it now, but I'm not feeling and I'm not feeling that play, that way in that moment. Then I always feel a little awkward and I feel like, oh, okay, it's it's actually hard for me to talk about the very vulnerable things when it's not on my terms, right? And I know anyone who meets me in that way, they are just wanting to share something super sweet and loving and, you know, because there's a lot of feeling. But I guess, yeah, I don't really have a point with sharing that. But those are the only moments where I've sometimes had that feeling of, oh, maybe I overshared. <laughs> But then in the end, I never really feel like I did because it felt so true and it was so true in the moment. So, so yeah, um, if you're looking for like logistical advice about the podcast, I don't know if I have so many. It depends on how you like to storytell and if you're going to have guests. I mean, if you're going to have guests, uh, you, you can't over prepare that's my one, I think, piece of advice for having guests. There's no such way as over-preparing for having someone else there. I don't think so anyway. 
when I, that it's actually why I don't have guests on almost ever because I'm in this place in my life where I don't want to feel the pressure of like, okay, I'm interviewing someone. I have to do a good job. I want to make sure I have read every book and like I really know what this person has shared with the world. I put a lot of pressure on myself, I think, when I ha- when I interview someone. And when it's just me and I'm I'm just here, I don't have to prepare because I just speak from the heart every time and there's no way I could prepare that. But with a guest, never show up underprepared. I have been in interviews. I have actually been on podcast. I, I was on a podcast not so long ago, a while ago, where mid-podcast, I just realized like these, this person doesn't know who I am, really. Maybe they follow me online, but they're not you know, they haven't really done their research. They were asking me questions that weren't relevant to my life at all. They were just kind of, yeah, it was an, it was, I I had to work really hard for that conversation to not feel awkward, to kind of make up for the host's lack of preparation, you know, so just never show up for, for a, a conversation with another person underprepared. That's my one advice there. And I just go for it, you know, if it's real and authentic conversation, it's going to do well and be received well. And yeah, DM me with the name of the show. I would love to listen. Hmm. So beautiful. So beautiful. Storytelling is so healing, you know, it really, really, really is. And I think we could really do with more of those really true and heartfelt shows. I think there's too many true crime and gossip shows. (laughs) out there. I mean, I love a a good true crime podcast, but there are so many of them. I think we could use a a couple more vulnerable ones, right? This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too, with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hi, Rachel. My name is Nay. Um, I'm calling. I'm about 25 weeks pregnant and just really taking this time to kind of prepare for um, labor and birth and I was just wondering if you had any advice on things that helped you um, during your birth with um, Leia to really surrender into the moment and let go instead of um, kind of like clenching on or trying to remain in control. Um, So, yeah, if you have any advice on how to surrender during labor and anything that helped you prepare before to do that, that'd be amazing. Thank you. Oh, what a beautiful question. What a beautiful time of your life. Congratulations, 25 weeks pregnant. Oh, so, so, so yummy. You know, when you, when I listened to you ask this question, my, my awareness immediately went to the fact that we, we like to look at, of course, pregnancy and birth and becoming a mother and postpartum I mean all of this it's such a big change in our lives and it's such a big season of our lives we tend to almost compartmentalize that a little bit and we put that over there as if in this is a separate part of our experience you know when actually of course everything that we have to learn and figure out and heal and arrive at 
in that pregnant time is a culmination of everything that we're actually dealing with in our day-to-day lives before we were pregnant. You know, so that surrender that we're looking for when it's time to give birth, it's the same kind of surrender that we're looking for in our day-to-day lives. It's just culminating, right? It's kind of like, yeah, but Glennon Doyle told me told me once, and I think about this very often. It's like one of those little quotes that's just etched into my into my brain that whenever something big is happening, it's like we're just in the advanced version of the class that we're always in. You know, being pregnant is being in the advanced version of the class that you were in before you got pregnant. And she told me this when we were in the middle of the peak of lockdown and the pandemic, you know, like this pandemic, it's just the advanced version of the class we're already in. It's the same lessons. It's the same work. It's just more urgent. It's just culminating and peaking and in our faces right now. And that's so true. And I find that it can be really, at least for me, was really helpful to to remind myself of that, that being pregnant and giving birth and becoming a mother, it's not learning a brand new thing. It's not becoming a brand new person or a brand new version of me. It's not, of course, of course, it's a lot of new. It's a lot of first. It's a lot of, whoa, never experienced this in this way before. But a lot of it is also old, you know, and that surrender that that we need for labor is the same surrender that you've been working toward your entire life. It is the culmination of all the healing work that you have done that led you to be able to become pregnant, you know, and I really believe this. I think there's no mistakes, you know, there's no, we get pregnant at the time that we get pregnant because we were ready for that pregnancy at that time. And I think we have to have done a certain level of ancestral healing work, whether we are aware of it or not, for us to actually be able to arrive at that place where we are ready to house a new being in our womb, you know, and then give birth to that, to that being. So trusting that you are totally in the right place. It's not too soon. It's not too late. It's not, oh, you should have done more of this or more of that or been more prepared I remember having some of those feelings when I was pregnant. It's like, oh, I almost wished I I had done more of that work. And I had this idea for a while, like I should have done another, I should have done another psychedelic ceremony just because I remembered doing ayahuasca way back really helped me with learning, learning how to surrender really kind of, it was my first big experience of surrendering. And I had that thought, oh, if I'd only done like another one before I got pregnant, I would be more ready to surrender or something like that, which of course wasn't true, right? I had all the tools that I needed or I wouldn't be pregnant with her or I wouldn't be about to go through this experience. So reminding yourself that you have what you need. You have what you need. And not only you know, and sometimes this is helpful, but sometimes it's just not this thing that people say, you know, we've been giving birth to literally since the dawn of time. It's something that we do. It's something that we've always done. It's something that's a part of inherently a part of who we are. It's like we make it so complicated. And I remember people telling me when I was pregnant, you know, there's women in Vietnam who squat in a rice paddy and just give birth and continue 
with her day. And I remember like, well, first of all, that that that's not really, that wasn't really helpful for me at the time. First of all, it makes me really worried about the woman in the rice paddy. Like, does she need help? It feels unfair, you know? Maybe that experience is better and more wholesome. And I have no idea. I've, I've never had that experience myself. But that idea that everyone does this, so it should be so natural and so easy. It's not the same for every single person, right? And I don't want to bypass the fact that birth is really transformational and can be really fucking hard. But I also wanted to really shower myself with positive birth stories and stories in person, you know, being told and hearing that storytelling from people that I knew who'd actually had births, not just that were, you know, super easy or totally orgasmic or those births that are like one in a million, but births that were really aligned with what they needed. And all of them were hard. You know, I don't think there's a single birth that doesn't come with hard. But hearing those experiences that came without overwhelming fear or without trauma, just listening to that. I listened to a lot of podcasts. I read a lot of books. I talked to a lot of people just to hear their kind of grounded birth stories, which was so, so very helpful for me in realizing that not everybody has the same experience. And surrender means different things for different people. So I don't know if what I'm saying is, is actually helpful, but those things, you know, reminding myself that I have the tools and that all the healing work I've done is a part of the healing work I needed to have done to be able to give birth and actually emotionally I'm ready. And how do I know I'm ready? Well, because I'm 25 weeks pregnant, like I'm, I'm here, right? And then focusing on ingesting and taking in information that you really feel is helpful, you know? And for me, when I was pregnant, hearing horror stories from people. I remember having to set a really firm boundary with my mom who had four kind of traumatic births. And it was very hard for her to not kind of badger me with this terrible experience that she had because she was so fearful and she was holding on, you know, of course she was filled with all of this heavy stuff and she was nervous for me. She wanted me to be prepared of how bad it would be. And I had to tell her really firmly so many times, I am not interested in this story. This is your story. It's not my story. And just because it was your story doesn't mean it's going to be mine, you know. And I'm, I'm, and there's healing work to be done there, you know, in that space for her. But it wasn't there for me. And maybe I would have had that. I could have had that experience. But then it would have been my own journey and my own way there, right? But just hearing negative stories or people telling me, and I find especially like the past generation, I had a lot of friends, parents and stuff wanting to tell me like really scary stuff. And it wasn't helpful for me. So just envisioning my own birth, the way I wanted it to go, while remaining as open as possible to the fact that that might not be the outcome that I get. So when I was really visualizing the birth in front of me, I try to focus less on the logistics of it, the specifics of it, the the kind of controlling aspects of here is how I need it to be. And I try to focus on the feeling of wanting to feel safe and wanting to feel really at home in my body. I wanted to feel free. I wanted to have the freedom of movement. 
I wanted Dennis there with me the whole entire time. I wanted the dogs. Like I had certain components that I really felt I needed, but I tried to expand it as much as I could away from like here is what it has to be. And one of the most challenging things for me that I kind of, that I can only look at now is I had this idea that I had to give birth at home and I wasn't open for any other option. You know, I really wasn't. And I wish I would have been, but I really, I really wasn't. I was totally, totally against going to the hospital. I didn't want any medical interference. I didn't want any drugs. I didn't want, and not only was it like a wish and a dream that I wanted you know, to have a home birth in water with candlelight. And not only was it a dream, but it's, it became this, this location of where the birth would happen. It would happen not in a hospital. It became very, very rigid for me. And I think now that I look back at it, you know, if I were ever, would ever have another child, I would try to be more open and less rigid around the exact circumstance. And trusting that, you know, what's really important is how I feel feel in my body as I move through this big experience. And if it would end up happening in the bathtub at home or in a hospital or in a clinic or a birthing center or at a friend's house or, you know, people give birth in their car and have had positive experiences because they felt present and they were there. It's more about how do we feel, right? Did we feel prepared and ready? Did we feel supported? Did we feel safe? So if I would have another another child, I would focus more on visualizing the feeling and the experience and less on the specific location and less on here is exactly how it needs to happen. You know, just a little bit more freedom and space there, because otherwise, when the birth comes and we go into labor and then what if one of those things doesn't happen? And it could be a little thing. You know, what if you're you have a doula or a midwife and she's stuck in traffic, she's late, or, you know, something that you wanted or had requested wasn't able to kind of arrive, or, you know, a little thing doesn't work, or you get the wrong room that you weren't supposed to be in, something like that, that actually isn't completely, you know, a huge deal. But in the moment when we feel that vulnerable, and if we are so set in our ways that it has to be this way, then I think it can really shift the energy and make the whole energy around the birth feel really hard, right? So it's kind of like the same wish I have for moving through life. How can I, <laughs> how can I let go? How can I visualize the outcome of what I want, but also let go of control? And I think there is a balance. There is a fine line that we can kind of dance in that in-between of really feeling into the longing of the outcome that we want and letting go of exactly how it has to happen. Because truth is, even though we think we always have all the answers, we actually don't. And I ended up giving birth in the hospital, the thing I didn't want, the thing I was so terrified of, you know, the thing that like meeting, um, uh, there was a male doctor that I didn't know that came in the room. I had all these ideas of like what I didn't want, right? I didn't want this. I didn't want that. And then some of those things happened and I could only realize at the end of it that, it had to happen that way. For me, letting go happened by letting go through the fact that it didn't go the way I had planned it, right? I had to surrender to this next new place. So it makes me really smile. It makes me miss 
honestly, I can sometimes have that feeling like I miss that early postpartum time, that really fresh, raw, vulnerable, beautiful, beautiful time at the very beginning. And I trust that you are going to have a beautiful, beautiful birth. And I'm wishing you so much love on the way there. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for sending. This was a fun, this was a fun episode for me to record and beautiful questions you guys all sent in. Thank you. Thank you. Um, this segment comes back once a month or so, so you can send in new questions anytime you like. And, you know, I would love it, just speaking of podcasts, if you have never rated this show, I would so, so from the bottom of my heart appreciate if you went on the podcast app or Spotify, wherever you're listening, and give me one of those beautiful, magical five-star reviews if you love the show. If you don't love the show, don't worry about it. <laughs> don't have to review it if you don't. <laughs> If you don't like the show, don't don't review me, okay? But if you really do, you know, those those five-star reviews go such a long way. And uh, I would love to reach more people and continue for our little community to, to grow. I really, really, really would. So if you uh, take a couple of moments or a few seconds out of your day to do that for me today, I would so appreciate it. And um, have a beautiful beautiful week. Hmm. I'll see you next Friday. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoy the show, make sure you listen, rate, and review all the episodes of Yoga Girl Podcast, Conversations from the Heart. Available now for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, and wherever you normally get your shows. Of course, thanks to my sponsors. Make sure you support them the way they support this podcast. This was a presentation of Cadence 13 Studio, and I'll see you next week.